0: I don't know what this is. I'm not thinking of this as art. Honestly, I just want to talk. When I was three years old, I had a little tape recorder, and I would play with it. It was my favorite toy, or at least that's what it sounds like when it's described by others. I don't truly remember. And I would hit record, I'd hit the record button, and I would speak, and then I would hit stop, rewind, play. I'd listen back, and there's a recording of me when I was three years old. I've heard it many times. I still have the tape somewhere, although I'd not be surprised if it's melted by now. But I've heard the tape, and I say a couple of things on it. You know, it's a cassette tape, and it says on it, Gwendolyn H3, or something like that. I just know it says H3 and my name in some way. On that tape, you can hear me trying to say my full name, first, middle, and last name, which is a bit of a tongue twister for a little kid. There's a reason Gwendolyn's often get called Gwen. (laughs) Little kids are not equipped or prepared to handle a GW sound. It's hard enough getting past the GW of Gwen and then try to add some more syllables, and it just gets a little crazy. So I tried to say my full name, and I'm pretty sure I added some syllables in there because it did not sound like my name it sounded like uh, the way a ghost might say it in a horror flick i tried to say my name and then there's a, a part of the tape where i sound upset and i'm saying presumably to somebody older than me in the room it's not going it's not working it's not turning And i was trying to tell them that i could see that the little spindles or whatever they're called in a tape player they were not turning And I was upset because I had already figured out when I was three that if those things were not spinning, nothing was moving and nothing was happening with the sound. I knew that that was related somehow. I had caught on to that. And uh, I'm not trying to make myself sound like a genius. I'm making fun of myself. It's just when I was a little kid, I I was always analyzing everything and studying everything. And I honestly think that was some kind of survival instinct because I kind of learned to study my environment to be able to survive in it. Maybe that's what all kids do, but that's what I did. That's what I think. But I always noticed everything. You know, things didn't just happen around me and I didn't take notice, I noticed everything. I think maybe recording myself speaking at such a young age helped me not hate hearing the sound of my own voice. You know, a lot of people do hate the sound of their own voice, and I think that's so sad. And it's because you're not used to it and you're not um you're not accustomed to hearing your voice back from outside of like the way you sound in your own head you know when we speak our own voice is rattling inside our chest right our throats <laughs> and our voice our voices come from us and they rattle and they make noise and we hear them from inside but when you listen to a recording That's outside of you, and now you're listening to something that's sounding different to you than what you've been listening to your whole life. So I guess for me, I got over that because I was hearing my voice from both directions, from both places, from inside of me and from outside of me. I had a concept at the age of three of this is the way I sound when I speak. This is the way I sound to myself when I speak. And then I also had these tapes where I would listen back and I guess I just adjusted to the fact that that's the way I sound out loud from a machine, skipping ahead decades. I struggle with sadness and several other things to do with my mind, like many. And maybe four or five years ago or so, I started recording my voice into an iPad and that must sound strange but remember that i am a writer and i am an artist and i'm a musician i'm a lot of things i'm always making something i'm always documenting and four or five years ago i got my hands on an ipad a little ipad air 2 which i just uh accidentally smashed the screen of the other day and went flying down the staircase and I watched like it was in slow motion going, no, no, I didn't yell. No, that's I'm, uh, I'm storytelling. Anyway, it did fly down the stairs though. And I was like, well, that's over now. Goodbye, friend. And that thing landed face down, smashed. And it was on when it flew out of my hand accidentally. It had been on. And I was like, it'll be a miracle if that thing turns back on when I pick it up. You know, I was like, it'll be a miracle if it turns back on. And I was concerned because I knew my iCloud was outdated, or like not outdated, but um, filled up, you know? So I have not been backing up to my iCloud in some time. And I thought, man, I'm just gonna lose everything on there. You know, videos and music and notes and photos and things. But that thing went flying out of my hands, smashed on the glass face down. There's tile at the bottom of my staircase, not carpeting and it landed on the tile, face down, and I picked that thing up, and it was still on. It didn't even turn off. But the glass, the whole bottom left corner, it was just shattered. It still worked though. (laughs) I'm not using it because I don't want little pieces of glass all over, you know? But it still worked. I was impressed. I was very impressed, and I'd had it for so long. And thankfully I have another iPad now, My friend helped me get an iPad Pro, which I highly recommend. My friend got one for me for my art slash work, and that was a very generous thing, and I've been able to work so much faster at things now that I have it. But yeah, my iPad screen got smashed. couldn't believe it didn't even turn off though. Back to what I was saying though, I started hitting record when I was upset. It was a new thing with me. And let me tell you why I started doing this. I remember very clearly, I had never done anything like this before, not really. I had always written, you know, I would write things. If I was upset, sometimes I would try to write it out. But that takes a long time. I can't write things by hand as quickly as I can think them. And I've never been able to type, not properly. And I did take lessons, and even then, I just, I can't do it, there's a disconnect. It's the same thing with when I try to play the piano. You know, I can only play the piano well enough to write and to record. I cannot play the piano well enough to perform. So there is a disconnect, though. I've tried certain things, and there's some kind of disconnect that happens where I I struggle with maybe the connection between, maybe the speed at which I think, in relation to how quickly I can operate my hands. I know that sounds maybe a little silly, but that's what I think. Anyway, I... I had this day, there was this day that happened where I went out on an adventure, which was that I needed to walk to a store locally, and I needed to get certain things there, and I needed to handle certain business there, and I called ahead to make sure that everything would go easily. I made sure everything was in order, right? Because I wanted the trip to go well, because I don't, I don't really like going out shopping (laughs) alone. I just don't. And so when I do it, I try to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row. This particular day, I called ahead. I did everything right. I was ready. And I walked to the store and the things that I was supposed to handle there and the things I was supposed to get there, you know, nothing went right. And then I missed my bus back home. I had to be there even longer when I was already kind of disappointed in the way the trip was going. And I know this all seems like nothing. And it really was in the grand scheme of things. But to me, for some reason, it was just a really emotionally taxing day. Just the way my brain works, certain things are harder for me than for a lot of others. But what happened was, was that I got back home And I was just so upset. I mean comically, like cartoon character upset. I was so upset about the way everything went because it was like everything was supposed to go right. I did everything I was supposed to do. I called ahead, I made sure everything would work the way I wanted it to and then it didn't happen. I did not get what I wanted that day. And so I was being a brat and I was upset (laughs) at that fact. I was upset that things had not gone the way that I had planned, and I struggle with panic attacks, and so that had heightened things, the fact that um, on my way back home, I had also been panicking. So that added to the way I was feeling, these kind of panicked anxiety feelings that come over me. It kind of heightened everything, so I was unreasonably upset by my estimation, and I really felt like telling somebody, like venting about it, right? I was like, oh, I'm so upset. Like, I just got to, oh, I just, I got to get this out of me, right? I was like, I've got to, I've got to talk. I've got to, I can't just let go of this. I, I can't let go of it. Even though this was not a major thing. I know major from minor. This was a minor thing, minor it's 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 really something I only remember at this point because of this very story that I'm now telling you. That's how minor it was, really. Because I'm used to struggling. I'm used to panicking. I'm used to things not going right for me. But I remember it because of this story that I'm now telling you. I felt like venting, but I didn't feel like I wanted somebody listening. I just wanted to do the venting, and I know that sounds strange. Well, it occurred to me while I felt like venting. What if I vent and nobody's listening? Will it feel the same to me? Like there won't be anybody to be my sounding board. There won't be anybody to comfort me or to advise me or to talk sense into me. Will it feel good to me to just speak, to just say everything that was bothering me and getting to me? You know, I just wanted to know if that would help me feel better in the moment. Because I was like, I just have to explain this to somebody. And I strangely just realized, I don't need anybody to listen. I just need to say it. And so I got my little iPad, and I opened up the Voice Memo app, and I hit record. And I started speaking, and I spoke for, like, an hour or so. It was a very long time. And I was still feeling quite upset when I got to the end. But it kind of felt, too, a little bit like a major point of being able to exhale and go, okay, got past that, you know? And then came the question, though, do I listen back? Do I listen back? And then I started thinking, oh, no, I don't want to hear that. You know, I was making fun of myself in my head going... You nerd, like, what are you doing? You're ranting into your iPad, and now you want to rewind it. I say rewind. You want to rewind it and listen back again? But then I did. And the most amazing thing happened. I started laughing. I started laughing. I was laughing at how ridiculous I had sounded. But I realized at that time that I loved this process. I loved it because I got to express things and get them off my chest and make a fool of myself. Without somebody having to hear it and respond to it, I just did it myself. I listened to it and I responded to it and my response was laughter. Now, if I had told all of that to somebody else and they found it ridiculous and they had laughed at me, I would have started crying. You know, it probably would have really hurt my feelings. Like, how could you laugh at me? I'm so upset today. I'm in such a bad place. I've been panicking. But instead of that, I recorded myself speaking and then I listened back and I laughed. And that became a new form of self-therapy for me. And I'm not recommending it to anybody. I'm just saying that's something I learned that is helpful to me. I like that feeling of saying things that are bothering me. And sometimes when I say things that are bothering me, I do need somebody to be listening. But there are also times when there doesn't even have to be. I just need to express the things bothering me and get them off my chest and feel like I kind of had that emotional wind blown away, out of me. I started doing this so much over the few years to follow that day that I realized at one point I was recording myself speaking over 90 hours a month I was averaging over 3 hours a day of recording myself saying things and usually I didn't listen back but sometimes I did and sometimes I would make little notes and keep track of things that I said which were relative to my work as a writer and Gradually, that started evolving into even more creative projects for me. I started finding characters in it. I started writing scripts and things. The way that I record scripts or potential scripts is that I just hit record, I lower the lights, and I close my eyes, and I just start speaking. It's kind of like what I've heard David Lynch say, film director, David Lynch, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of like seeing a TV playing in your mind, a film screen, and things are happening, but it's so amazing because, you know, if it's in your mind and you're generating it, you get to control what you're seeing to some degree, and part of it kind of just feels like this magical thing that I can't really explain. Not today, anyway. But I don't think... All of this would have started happening had I not started recording myself speaking. It's just the new way of writing for me. You know, when I was five, I would tell people, I'm a writer, I'm a writer. And I'd started singing when I was like three. I think I started learning to write when I was four, I'm not sure. And I would try to write stories and poems and things in school, like a lot of kids do. And I memorized lots and lots of poetry and would recite it in class. It was a thing they would have us do. But I knew that I wanted to write. But what I think now is that, to me, writing was just the way to express things. But I don't think it needs to be done in a specific fashion. I don't think you have to grab a pen and paper. I don't think you have to type. I don't think you have to record your voice. But I can't imagine my lifetime without doing one of those three pretty much all the time. It is an amazing thing to be able to express oneself. It is amazing. I'm grateful that I've been able to do it. I question sometimes what I could do with it. Could it make a difference, me saying things, me expressing things? Could it make a difference? If so, to whom? And should I be? Like, should I be affecting anybody with anything that I would have to be saying? Maybe I shouldn't be. But if not me, who? I like to think I'm a good person, and that I'm kind-hearted, and that I care. I care very deeply about so many things, and I don't always know the right ways to say things, and I'm fearful of repercussions of saying the wrong things. But I like to think that my artistic compass and my hopefully considerably kind heart, I like to think that between these two things I could stumble across things that I could say once in a while that may make a positive difference to somebody I don't artificially just hope to inspire others I've just always been someone who was trying it's just it's in my nature before there was internet I mean the way we know it there are there are um people far more lost than me, I think, in their hearts, who speak to the world very loudly. But I've just been thinking that time is precious, and I say this all the time, I don't know if I have another five minutes or another 50 years on this planet. I don't know, but I'm in a place where I'm ready to try at things that scare me, and I'm hoping to tiptoe out of my comfort zone. I joked with a close friend of mine who became my close friend just recently, this year. I joked with him that as an artist, I always tiptoe in, like I think of this pool. And I was like, you know, I tiptoe in. I wanna test out the water and see before I go further in. You know, I'm careful about these things. And I've joked with him I was like, but I feel like you would just cannonball right in. You would just run and jump and splash and have a blast doing it. And I'm not like that. I think there's a a line in Dead Poet Society. I think there's a line when Todd Anderson, you know, Ethan Hawke's character, I think there's a line where he says to Neil, I'm not like that. You know, I feel like that. I'm not like that. And I see this in my friend and I... I don't want to steal that from him, I want to join him. You know, I want to be able to cannonball in with him, because I've been tiptoeing all my life. And I would always get right up to the edge of like, I want to dive in, you know, but it's scary. You know, I'm reminded of, when I was a little kid, I took swimming lessons at the local pool, which was at my school, kind of. and. I loved swimming. I was pretty good at it. And I passed all my classes and then it was time to take diving. And I did all right. I was a little scared of jumping off the diving board, but I was all right. But then they said, okay, now we're gonna go to the high school and you kids are gonna dive off the high dive. That frightened me. I didn't have any awareness of being afraid of heights, but I certainly felt it at that time climbing up this very tall ladder you know I'm like a little I don't even know how old I was maybe nine little kid going up maybe eight I'm trying to remember it doesn't matter anyway all the way up this very tall high dive and I remember feeling like I can't believe I'm even standing up this high and now I'm supposed to jump off of this and I was very scared in fact I remember one time the kids all got mad at me because I actually said no I have to come back down the ladder I can't do it but I felt so proud of myself. Like, I finally was like, one time I was like, okay, I am going to jump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I psyched myself up. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. And I did. And I belly flopped. And I smashed right onto the water surface. Just just smashed. And it knocked the wind out of me. And I went under and somebody had to, like, come and pull me out of the water and help me breathe again. And it was a terrible event for me as a little kid. You know, I had worked up the courage to jump. I had worked up the courage. Like, I did it. But then to have it go so badly when I finally went through with it, I don't remember if I ever tried it again. I honestly don't remember. You know, I'm trying to think, I, I want to be able to say, yeah, I definitely went and did it again. It went fine. I don't think so. I don't remember. I can't remember past that. It was a it was a complicated time in my life and I don't remember a lot from that time but I don't remember if I ever jumped again but I certainly remember smashing onto the water and and the wind being knocked out of me and people having to help me I remember that and um, I think about that I think about the fact that I'm a tiptoer and that kind of adds up and if you know me closely personally you see the tiptoeer in me you see it but my friend, he can just cannonball in, but thoughtfully, you know? Thoughtfully, strategically, but he seems to have a blast, and I wanna be like that. I find him very inspiring. This friend of mine, he said something to me recently. It was a clarification, and I understand that he said this to me trying to help me understand the meaning of some of the ways he was experiencing my art. You know, he's an artist himself, and I struggle with feeling like the things I make, no matter what they are, I struggle with feeling like they're worth anything, like they're valuable to anybody. So much of it just feels like therapy to me. I do it because it feels good. I do it because it feels like the opposite of being destructive. I don't want to tear things down, I want to make things. I want to invent things. I want things to exist because I do. I exist and I made this thing. Now that thing exists. Now let's look at that and that's outside of me, but I made that and that's just a cool thing. To look at something and know that you made it, I think it's 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 special or something. My friend said to me, you know, keep in mind that I struggle with feeling like my art things are are valuable to anybody and i guess i also struggle with believing that people like anything that i write or sing or record or whatever it is i have trouble believing when people like these things because something in me always is kind of trying to pull me down and say you're not worthy of any of this and your things are not valuable to anybody there's a there's a part of me that is very um discouraging, like tries to pull me downward. And I think a lot of us have that. And this friend of mine, whose artistic opinion I very much value, and I have since before we even started speaking, this friend of mine clarified to me recently something that he didn't think I understood about his appreciation for my art things. I think he was mostly speaking about my music but he had also started listening to some of my audio scripts that I've been recording and he said this sentence to me that I've been processing ever since. He said to me you know like because I took everything he said to me that he was saying that was so complimentary and and appreciative I thought he was just trying to encourage me like I see potential that you might be good at these things someday I thought he just saw potential in me You know, like keep working at it and maybe one day you'll make something great. That's what I felt, like that's what I thought he meant to me. I thought that's what, I mean, I thought that's what he was trying to tell me. That's what I thought he was trying to tell me. Keep trying and maybe one day you'll make something great. And we were speaking and I told him that I really appreciated his encouragement, how he was encouraging me all the time. And you know, encouragement, encouraging someone, it indicates a sense of movement, like forward movement, like you encourage somebody to do something and to possibly do something better. Like keep going, like you can do this. It's, it's, it's kind of a before thing. It's not so much an after thing, you know? If somebody's about to run a race, you encourage them. You can do it, come on, I believe in you. That's encouragement. Once they've run the race, you express great job, like, good job, that's so awesome that you did that, hooray, right? And you praise them. Praise just meaning um, pat on the back. And that's the less commonly used term these days, but praise just meaning um, to say to somebody job well done, you know, which is also a form of encouragement, but it's, it's more so saying, you did it. Hooray. Let's celebrate. So that's kind of how I think of the difference of encouragement versus praise. And the reason I was telling you that is because my friend clarified to me recently. He expressed to me that he realized that I was mistaking or misunderstanding what he was saying to me all this time for months, really. I just kept thinking he's encouraging me. He's pushing me forward. He's you know, trying to bring the best out in me, which he does, (laughs) he does do that too. But I thought it was for the sake of moving forward and trying to become good at my things. And what he expressed to me was this sentence. He said to me, it's not encouragement, it's praise. That simple little sentence has changed so much for me. I know that sounds strange, but for someone to say, it's not encouragement, it's praise. He's not seeing me as somebody he hopes does well in the race. He thinks I already won. He's saying job well done. Not because it's an ending, but you know, make more because you're on the right track already. That's what he's saying to me. I'm already on the right track. That's what he thinks. That's what he expressed to me. He already thinks I'm great. He already thinks my art things are great i'm reminded of this time that i signed a message board uh, on a website uh, for an artist i respected and i was a, a fan of his work sort of um tim burton style playful gothic artwork and i had signed his message board this was years ago but i signed it with my band name from that time. I was in a band at the time. So I had signed it, Gwen of, and then the name of the band. And I didn't think anything about it. I just do things like that sometimes. But he messaged back to me and he said something interesting to me that I've just always remembered for some reason. But he said to me that it meant a lot to him that I was such a fan of his work, partly because I'm an artist too. And he was saying he valued my opinion because it was kind of one artist appreciating another artist. Meaning, I think maybe there's a level of appreciation and understanding of art that a lot of artists think maybe we kind of see things, like it's a relating game type of thing where this is complicated, how do I simplify this? I want to talk about likes. I want to tell you why I like likes. I like to see who's listening to my music or who's reading my things that I'm writing. I like to see who you are, who is it who's knocking, like who's showing up. That's why I like likes. I think of it like, oh cool, everyone that hit like, I get to click on their profile picture and go to their page and see who they are. To me it's a connecting thing. That's why I like likes, so that I can see who it is, who, who's knocking, who's listening. And who's showing up for my strange little art things, my musical pieces, and all of this? Like, who's showing up? Who's interested? Because I'm interested to see who you are. It's a cool thing to me. You know, when I had bands when I was younger, before there was all this social media and everything, we would make flyers on paper and we would put them at skate shops and things. And we had a mailing list, and we would mail people invitations to our shows. True story. We would, you know, make them from scratch, and we'd mail them out, and we'd plaster the city as best we could with our little signs. And now, like, there's internet, and it's amazing that you can... Reach such a wide audience worldwide. It's quite a different time, you know, now where you can speak to the entire world so easily. It, it still kind of blows my mind. But obviously, as an artist, it is nice when you realize that something you've made is resonating, and that's another thing. It's just like how on hitrecord.org, you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt's website, it's a collaborative arts kind of a workspace production place which anybody can join. But He would say, you know, when you hit the heart on something here, it's your way of saying that resonates with me. And you're recommending it to others that maybe they should check it out. You know, it's not just a matter of kind of like keeping score or giving somebody points. Like you get a point for how cool your thing is. It's not points. It's it's resonating. And I always loved that Joe expressed that. I love that idea. It's did it resonate with somebody and who and why you like, why did my thing resonate with you? As an artist, I always want to know that. Like, what did I get right that something I made hit your heart? Like, what did I make? What did I do so that I can do it again? It's very collaborative, the way I see it. But obviously, as an artist, you think to yourself, I hope this resonates with a lot of people. That'd be a really cool thing to see and to achieve, as if my thing resonated with a lot more people than just two or three. And you know what? Sometimes I post things, and they do just get noticed by a few people. And you know what I always think? That's amazing that those few people cared about this little thing when nobody else did. That's amazing too. I find something exciting in every way that something can go. So I was talking to my friend a while back, someone who's known me since I was a kid. And I said to her, you know, because I was thinking about this thing I was just saying about how there's this you know artist that had commented that it meant a lot to him that as an another artist how he found out that i was an artist he went and listened to my music and at the time he listened and he really liked it and so he was like wow i really like your music so it means a lot to me that you like my art too it was that relating thing and it made him appreciate that i liked his work not over and above everybody else who was commenting to him but he just took pause for a minute it just made him pause on it for a minute and go Oh, she's an artist too and he just appreciated that and I understand it because you know when you're an artist you often idolize or really admire or look up to certain other artists I know I do I always have Um, I always say I was obsessed with Jim Henson as a kid I still am I more lean toward the darker side of his work you know like the dark crystal and things like that as an adult but as a kid, you know, I was obsessed with The Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock and Labyrinth. And I would study him though. <laughs> I would study Jim Henson. I'd go to the library and study Jim Henson. And my friends were like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Cause I was like, let's talk about Jim Henson. And they're like, um, no, let's talk about Kermit the Frog. And I just knew that I cared about the person operating Kermit. I just, I always felt like I'm, I'm supposed to be on the other side of the screen. I just knew. You know, the behind the scenes. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have this secret fantasy that I would really like to write music for Red Fraggle. I've tried. I've tried. Secretly, I've tried. I think I could do it. My song, I'm a Weirdo, I really think that's very Red Fraggle. So where I was going with this, though, is I was talking to my friend And I said, you know, if I ever you know, posted something of mine, a song or something that got a lot of attention, something I had written though, like something I had written that was a piece of my writing that I was really proud of, I was like, I don't know if it would be more exciting to me if a million people hit like on it, or if I got one like, but that like was from Stephen King, because I've idolized Stephen King as a writer since I was a little kid. And, you know, I watched The Shining when I was six. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've just always had him in my life artistically. And I was like, you know, I don't know which would mean more to me. I was like, I really think it would mean more to me that it was Stephen King because again, that relating game, that connecting thing, I would freak out because I'm so familiar with him as an artist that to think that he could like something of mine would blow my mind and i know it's like but a million likes like a million people it resonated with but it's not the numbers though it's special to me who's listening and he's just somebody that's like it would feel really special to me if i thought that he had listened to or read something i had written and obviously my heart would melt a million times in a row if a million people hit like on something of mine because i would also think wow, that really resonated. Like, I finally made something that a lot of people related to. That would be a special thing as an artist. And that would be beautiful. In my heart, I would really feel that. But it's again, it's not about the numbers. It's about who are you? Who do those numbers represent? Who is on the other side of all those screens? These hard glass screens that we all keep our faces in and our eyes locked on and our ears glued to. Who are all of we? (laughs) Who are all of us? I mean...